They actually seem to believe that we don't know what they're doing and what their game plan is, but we do. And we're pissed because it's been our work, it's been our treasure, our blood, that's done everything positive America has ever done. It's been its citizens. It hasn't been a bunch of elitist thugs who are parasites on the very system they seek to destroy. They call us deplorables, insurrectionists, domestic terrorists, even as they allow deadly drugs and countless numbers of people wanting to destroy us across our borders, even as they push vaccines that kill our children and imprison real American patriots and commit treason many times over. While we Americans are unlike any people tyrants have faced before, we know our rights, we demand our freedom and liberty, and we demand the servants of the people learn their place. Patriots, happy Monday. Welcome to episode 180 of the Patriot Review. Once in a while, you know, well, first of all, I'm working on two hours of sleep. You ever have those uh, those nights where you just can't go to sleep regardless of what you try because your mind keeps spinning? Well, I like to do um, some things a little bit differently on this show. I do cover, of course, all the, the stuff that's breaking and everything else, but uh, occasionally I will have... A guest that allows you to escape from all of the craziness that's going on. We we all need that. We all need that to keep our our minds uh, healthy and um, to keep our chin up and to keep moving forward. So I'm really looking forward to today's interview with Chad Stewart, who's the author of a series of books that you won't likely forget once you have. Um, once you know about them, uh, Britfield, and um, we'll talk about that. But first, of course, I do have a few things for you to go over. And um, as usual, they're crazy. <laughs> so first off, you know, more and more and more often, we're getting news stories that are really coming to underscore and validate all of those crazy people out there like myself, the tinfoil hat wearers who talked about the COVID vaccines and the COVID protocols and everything else. Well, there's an admission of epic proportions just made about Pfizer's COVID vaccine. Health Canada on Thursday of last week verified that Pfizer did not notify the public health authorities about the DNA contamination found in Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccines in what one expert called a betrayal of epic proportions. So the Simeon Virus 40, SV40 uh, promoter and enhancer, which Pfizer did not previously disclose, and which some experts believe poses a cancer risk. Now the, right there, the, the bells and alarms should be going off like crazy. Because remember uh, when we were in the heat of it all and we were debating the military and uh, the, the basically government's demand that the military take the jab and whether or not that was a violation, which it certainly was of this, of those in the military's uh, civil rights. And um, so this, this goes back to that. And the, during that study, there was like a 40% cancer rise, uh, a rise of cancer rates, 40% over, over the previous, I don't know how many years, but the, the cancer risk and the, the cancer in general across the world has spiked. And it's interesting that now they admit it. But you know what? Uh, the mainstream media still still doesn't and won't, of course, cover it. And uh, it's, it's just a nightmare. So this story, you can go through all of these are on the signal. PoliticalSignal.com is a website. And that is basically a landing page, and it, it will go out to all these stories that I cover. You just got to go through them and, and look at them. So here we have yet another article about the jab and why um, why it was really a, a terrible thing and really a genocidal thing. And um, I think those of you that watch the show probably 
all agree with that. And um, if you don't, well, there's plenty of evidence, evidence out there. Uh, just go ahead and look at look look it up and um, see if your opinions hold water. All right, so war drums on the horizon. Carrier strike group diverted. We learned that uh, the United States put the carrier strike group out, and um, now it is saying that this article is saying that it's diverted into areas where the Chinese naval task force prowls off the Middle East. So in a small change that could have major meaning amid the military chess moves taking place in the Middle East, the U.S. is changing its plans for the USS Dwight D. Eisenhower Carrier Strike Group. The change could place the strike group in waters where Chinese warships have been active in recent months. Last week, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin announced that the Eisenhower Strike Group would head to the Eastern Mediterranean instead of Europe, as had been planned. Sailing in the Eastern Mediterranean would have put the Stripe Group off the west coast of Israel. So here we go again, you know, um, there's a lot in this little story, isn't there? I mean, there's, there's the increased uh, danger and aggravation between China and America. And then there's the abandonment of the Israeli and Israelis in Israel. And, uh, you know, of course, this is no surprise because, you know, Barack Obama and Joe Biden a long time ago were not exactly great at supporting Israel. And there was a lot of bad feelings between Israel and Obama in particular at that time. So this is not surprising, but it is another dangerous, dangerous sign that we are heading into a war like we've never seen before, which when you think about all the death and destruction of the Civil War and the um, the world wars, uh, in particular, you know, that that's saying a lot. And unfortunately, we have the enemy with, within the gates as well, and it will be a tough road for all of us. So speaking of enemies within the gates, uh, the Republican Party is just a floundering mess. And uh, there are now nine Republicans after they kicked out Jordan, which I really strongly believe is the choice of the American people. Uh, we have nine Republicans now joining the fray. And, you know, I think if you go through the names, you will you will see that um, it's not all of them, I, I don't think, are rhinos, but uh, you may know better than I. But we have, of course, Hearn. We have um, Johnson from Louisiana. We have uh, Arrington from Texas. We have Bergman from Michigan. And um, Austin Scott, who was out and then he's in. Uh, Pete Sessions, Dan Moser. So that's all they got in here. So, so again, you know, why is it that the Republican Party just has no capability whatsoever to read what their constituents want? Why is it that this is always a cluster? Every every time anything happens, every time we look towards them to respond in a common sense logical way and every time we look at them to exercise their duties that they're sworn to to be our representatives we run into to the same old story everything is a disaster everything's a mess then you have john boehner's name coming back into this and it's like who the hell cares what john boehner thinks right now at this point nobody he can go cry in his uh, beer i guess you know but the uh, the the lack of understanding and the the lack of actually seeing what's right before their eyes as to what their constituents want is mind numbing, and one could only come to the conclusion that that of course these are are rhinos, and of course it is due to the existence of the uniparty. Whether you want to believe that or not, it does exist, and we see evidence of it all the time evidence of it in this uh, speakership race. I mean, it's it's uh, it's very clear and very evident that uh, as as we have uh, Afghanistan, the Afghanistan pullout, for example, um, 
that in itself was without a doubt in my mind as you know if you watch the show an act of treason because we were giving aid and, and uh, comfort to the enemy 85 billion dollars worth of aid and comfort and if we left uh, an air an air base bagram air base and who took it over well the chinese took it over and you know again it's it's so it's multiple enemies in the technology that was most likely shared with china and russia so they can backward backward engineer it and um you know there's there's so many acts that the republicans should be not wasting time on jumping on this investigating these things filing charges it just seems like the you know the the other side of the aisle if you if you like them or hate them one thing you have to acknowledge is that they're much more organized and they have a strategy that everybody adheres to unfortunately of course the fourth branch of government the media is just as corrupt as the uniparty because they're part of it they're a cog in the wheel and we can't depend on them either as you all know and that is precisely why shows like this uh are cropping up all over and there's all kinds of people speaking out and speaking up that is why more people are turning to alternative media like this and that is not going to stop in the immediate future it's not going to stop or change i don't think ever because people are are much more reliant on you know hearing the voices of of average americans and that's certainly what i am i'm a, i'm no journalist i'm you know i'm just someone that's passionate about our country that loves our country and wants to see it wants to see it uh, really you know grow and wants opportunity equal opportunity for everyone and anyone uh, that's a citizen and um you know there's a lot of good people out there and that is uh that is what has led us to this point these these uh these folks in political positions that are beholding to special interest groups and are part of the uniparty and it's never been so transparent than it is today we'll be right back with chad stewart after this After we watched our daughter Grace die on FaceTime, I uh, immediately felt that I needed to go to the hospital, even though I was still pretty sick. And I met Jessica and our pastor there. And um, while we were in the room, we Jessica and I had to spend a few moments just with Grace alone. And it was it was just a horrific. Um, sight to come upon was the fact that her daughter Grace was now gone. Um, the emotions that came over the top of our uh, minds and just our physical bodies were just unbelief. We, uh, we took her BiPAP off because it was still on. This was hope and prayers that somehow she wasn't really gone and as soon as we did that the color of grace changed and um, we had to accept that she was truly gone. Not one person stepped foot in that room. How can you do that? How can you allow an innocent person, a child, she's only 19 years old, die in front of your eyes? You don't do that. If you're human, you don't do that. They knew they weren't going to convince us to put Grace on a ventilator. That means the money was going to dry up. They had to have the money. And when you follow the money trail all the way through, you see that a ventilator is about a $300,000 decision. That they had higher paying patients in the emergency room. Grace was worth more dead than alive.
We don't just need food. We need to eat food with a high nutritional value. Who wants to just survive food shortages? Let's thrive in times of adversity and lack. Optimize your daily nutrition and ensure you and your family have our two-year shelf-stable kingdom fuel as a cornerstone of your emergency food supply. Don't sacrifice your health or your taste buds. Stock up on Kingdom Fuel now. Ignore the thought police and subscribe or follow the Patriot Review. It's your patriotic duty. All right, if you would like to get your hands on some Kingdom Fuel, you can do that by going to Sherwood.tv slash TPR. That's Sherwood.tv slash TPR. Also, you can watch my documentary, Breaking the Oath, by going to redbloodedpatriots.com, or you can go to America First Productions with the number 1ST, americafirstproductions.com, and check it out there. All right, so my guest today is an author and he is the founder of the prestigious Devonfield, a comprehensive company dedicated to the higher quality in film production, publishing, and education. Chad's areas of expertise are writing, film, and media production, and global strategy, and international marketing. And um, I need to change the view. Chad, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, thank you. Let me get myself off this window here. Uh, there we go. People, people already see me. They don't need to see me like they do. <laughs> <laughs> so, let me get this back. So, how are you, Chad? What's going on? Yeah, just uh, excited. Excited about uh, this year. Excited about October. Excited about this week. Um, everything in the world of Britfield has been really exciting, and there's always something new, and we're always working on something new. And it's interesting because things change for us, change almost daily. And uh, so it's a great time, great time. We've gone from a uh, soft launch, which has been the last four years of this uh, seven book series into a major global launch next year, uh, January and February. So we can we can talk about any of those aspects, you know, what, what is the world of Britfield? How did this all start? Um, what's our impact on education, literature, uh, media and movies? Those are our four pillars. Those are four things we're focused on. So. Well, let me just read a little bit from the website here. It sure. says, uh, be begin in, in Yorkshire at Weatherly, the oppressive, my glass, this is going to test out my glasses here. <laughs> <laughs> the oppressive orphanage where best friends, Tom and Sarah, are being held prisoners. Uh, sea grass covered moors, old castles, ancient ruins, and breathtaking countryside. Then visit the different locations Tom and Sarah journeying on their exciting adventure through England chased by the illustrious detective Gowerstone and his re, uh, resolute police force. Yeah, see, I really need some stronger glasses. When I put it on the screen, it's a lot smaller than it is on sure. the website. So, but, um, so you know, I, what I really was excited by, to, to be honest with you, when, when I first heard about you and heard about, you know, lot, saw your bio and stuff and saw what your your book is about, is that, there's a lot of competition today, and it seems like the the books and the series of books that uh, kids are reading, especially, do have a do, do lean towards some some dark and even at times some satanic type sure. uh, characters, and you know. So um, as we're fighting, and I don't want to talk politics with you, but we're as we're fighting the. Uh, the whole woke narrative and books that teach that really hypersexualize our children in schools along comes your series where you really are um, putting the adventure back in books without having to without having to to to, to lower yourself or those those Correct. to yeah. lower yourself to those standards right so I think my viewers are particularly interested in 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 you and the series because of that I and mean, everybody's uh, one of the things I mentioned at the top of the hour was that everybody needs a departure today. And what you do, being an author, is an art form, and people need art in their lives, and they need yes. 
they just need a departure from this world that's so crazy right now and unfortunately quite a mess so so let me pick it apart a little bit let me go just about you and and what what is it about you and or your experience that really led you to think about this series and to put it to paper and to present it the way it's presented yeah i'm, I'm very fortunate in the sense that i i came from a creative background i was always very creative i i think all all kids are born creative and and yet the schools sort of teach creativity out of it and that's we're trying to put creativity back into the schools that's where our number one focus but um and so I, I really had a good childhood and it was really i think it was sixth grade a uh, great teacher in elementary and our assignment was to write a book and i'm going way back for you but and uh and again too it's like that's kind of daunting for a sixth grader it's like you know yes. and i think it was like i had to be like 25 pages and and uh it would be like a paragraph and then a picture but what do you write about and uh, you write about what you love and write about what you what you know. And I love the James Bond movies. This was right around the time, The Spy Who Loves Me, Moonraker, Roger Moore. And so my first ever book was, uh, uh, what was it, um, James Bond, Eat Your Heart Out. And I was this young 12-year-old um, agent, secret agent for the British government, living in my nice Tudor-style estate in Hampshire. And uh, was called, you know, called in to capture this uh, this villain all through Europe, and so you know that's how it started. And and I wrote the book, and it was really fun, and had you know had it, it did well, if you will, with the kids and stuff. But I wasn't thinking at that time I wanted to be an author. But uh, because of that teacher, because of that opportunity at twelve, it, it it planted a seed. And then you know, fast forward, literally almost forty years later, and you have Britfield and the Lost Crown, book one of a seven book series, travels the entire world book one's in england tom and sarah 12 those are the main characters 384 pages book two we launched in july 2021 takes place in france britfield and the rise of the lion 474 pages tom and sarah now 13 and then we just launched book three last year britfield and the return of the prince 575 pages if you can imagine takes place in italy and so I'm writing book four now, Eastern Europe and Russia. Book five will be Asia. Book six will be South America. And then book seven will be United States. Tom and Sarah will be 18. And so really what you have, this is fast-paced, you know, high adventure, exciting series. But I don't do any of the things which you you said. I, I don't compromise the writing. I don't, I don't bring in the witchcraft. I don't bring in the magic. I don't bring in the occultism. I don't bring in the demigods, the super superheroes, nothing. I mean, it, they're the most authentic books you know, possible in the sense that they take place in present time, you know, as children are reading it, as adults are reading it, they're learning about geography, art, architecture, history, culture, and we're hitting the four C's, creativity, critical thinking, communication, and collaboration. And uh, the books are based on family, friendship, loyalty, and courage. And so all of that are in the books. And uh, we like to call it stealth education because that's what kids are learning. And I think that's why we're in the top 1% of all books ever published within the same time frame. I think uh, we're one of the most awarded books in children's fiction to date. And uh, it's become it's becoming a global phenomenon, which was our our goal. But it's kind of, you know, it's been 10 years you know, since I had the idea right. and then we launched. And so it's been a lot of hard work. But um, but I am. It's it's funny. I was thinking about that this morning before you even said it. And it's like you have so many authors that are kind of drinking the Kool-Aid and hooking their wagon to this this this, you know, nonsense and crap. And and, and you're right. It's not just a few books out there. It's like 90, 95 percent of the entire market is saturated with this stuff. Nobody's interested. Nobody cares. It's 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 played, to say the least. I'm talking especially with the the witchcraft and all that stuff. And, and um, kids want a book that they can relate to. And it's like that's the feedback we're receiving, not just nationally, but globally from from kids from Australia, New Zealand, Germany, England, Canada, you name it, uh, that are reading these books and, and just not only are they loving it, but they're they're embracing them because they can relate to the characters. You can't relate to Harry Potter because you cannot solve your problems by waving a wand or putting on a magical cloak or saying a spell. It's just, it's a disconnect from reality, which is why these books are specifically out there. Disconnect kids from reality. Don't really teach them anything. And um, mm -hmm. we're, that's what we're doing with the series. So it's exciting. In fact, 50% of our audience are adults. Our youngest reader is seven, our oldest is 93. Wow. You know, when, you, when you're talking about that, if one of the authors that came to mind would be Mark Twain. I mean, he- Oh, gosh. Yeah. He is, um, I think, a good example of exactly exactly what your formula is. In his books, now today, some would some would consider them controversial, but his yeah. books were really written in the time as well. So I love the fact that you're teaching history. I think that 
I don't know why more people don't do that because there's such an opportunity to do both at the same time to entertain and teach sure that that so much of it is wasted and um, so as being an author is it is it a high pressure as far as what what the publishers will will look at and sponsor and you know publish for you that you know today's in today's world you have to comply with the wokeness have you seen that increase as well i have i mean i think it's it's easy because they're they're all under an agenda it's not that these books sell um and it's not that there's this huge market out there because there isn't there's no market at all for this crap and that's all it is it's crap you can you can mm -hmm. say anything you want it's crap but these you know you got five major corporations that control 96 percent of all media including publishing television films newspapers all of it and when the agenda comes from above we want to push this crap or push this agenda or divide the family or divide the nation. These are the topics that we want. And so you have so many people compromising. And um, and so, yeah, so I think that's that's out there. It's always been there. For us, it's it's great because it's like there's a 90, 95% opportunity out there. I mean, people just start putting these types of books out there. And these are what this is. I'm like in a desert selling water. You know what I mean? And it's like <laughs> that's it's like and, that's or, a good or, place to be. I often like to say right now what you have out there is you have you have a lot of McDonald's, right? It smells smells okay or it tastes sort of good but it's like it's it's terrible for you it's crap and i'm coming along with this this wonderful meal you know fruit and, and steak and you know and i mean all these salad and all this great stuff and when the kids eat it when they read the book it does something and that's kind of always been our goal is that instead of criticizing the market you know offer the offer 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 them something and so it's like we've, we're raising the bar in literature by offering the literally just the, the absolute best types of books possible and we are coming back and i like what you said to sort of the mark twain i, I think of dickens often you know charles dickens he was mm -hmm. one of my favorite authors i was very influenced by him but his books really were they're fiction but they were taking place in present time based on real real events real people um and they're they're about as accurate as possible to such an extent that when some of the people were reading them like a lawyer you know and he's like and, and, right. and in the book there's this nasty lawyer and he's like Hey, that's me. You know what I mean? So it's like, because <laughs> all the characteristics are there, the names are changed and stuff. So right. um, I don't, I, I, I don't think um, people out there can put out enough good content. And so there are, there are great opportunities. Uh, we've already sold international rights. Our first country was Poland. We have 15 other countries interested in buying wow. the, the, the rights to the trilogy, which I think is that test of time, um, including um, South Korea, uh, England, France, Germany, Spain, Brazil, Mexico. Uh, we just picked up uh, the Czech Republic uh, at the Frankfurt Book Fair, which just ended last Saturday. And we have a, um, a major contract that will be coming out in the next couple of weeks for, with a major distributor out of England that will cover all of England and Europe. And, and that just wow. happened at the Frankfurt Book Fair. Well, and so, and we, yeah, thank you. Congratulations yeah, that, that's like, that's like on that. like real-time news. And so I was very yeah. excited, very excited about that. Well, congratulations. That is really awesome. I have to take a quick break for three minutes sure. if you want to mute yourself, and then we'll be right back. I have some, some follow-up for for everybody who's watching and also the podcast folks so they can kind of get in on this because I can't see the screen. So be right back after this. Patriots, it's me, Wayne Alaroot, otherwise known as War. I have a very special announcement for all of you. My hit show, Wayne Alaroot, Raw and Unfiltered, is coming to the brand new station that's taking over the nation, Blessed News Network. 
God has opened a door in my life to be part of this amazing new Christian conservative network live every night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on our channel on Roku TV, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, and streaming live on the Blessed News iPhone and Android apps. Tune in to watch me drive home the truth and dismantle the fake news narrative with big name nightly guests and exclusive interviews with all the heavy hitters you know and love. Become part of history as we make America godly again and launch the first faith-centered conservative broadcasting network where Jesus Christ is commander-in-chief of all of our stories and where truth and integrity really matter. Join me Monday through Friday on any of our platforms or on the Blessed News website, blessed.news, where you can stream all the shows for free or you can sign up for Blessed Plus for even more access to Raw and Unfiltered with me, Wayne Allen Root, the hardest work a man in show business. Thank you, and God bless America. Steel News will be joining the Blessed News Network 11 p.m. weeknights. I'm Ann Vanderstill, and I'm very excited to be a part of the programming put together by Jake Lang. Doesn't matter if he's behind bars. He's a January 6th political hero, as far as I'm concerned. And Steel News will be reporting the truth of everything happening, not only in the swamp, but around the world to help you put into context what's really going on so you can make the best decisions for you and your family. Steel News, 11 p.m. on the Blessed News Network. All right, we are back with Chad Stewart, author of the Brickfield series. And uh, Chad, the, the three minutes always seems like forever when you're going through these interviews. But um, I want to read uh, another uh, part from your website. It says, discover British culture and learn more about English history, literature, art, and architecture. It says, join Britfield Academy and the Britfield Explorers Club. Enter contests, win prizes, and collect Britfield merchandise. Make sure to view every picture to see the stunning details. Uh, so you're giving, you're also giving some interaction, correct? I mean, it's it's not just uh, something that you know you read consume and and that's it i mean you you, you have an interaction occurring there do you want to explain that a little bit yes uh, and it's interesting too i mean our website is, is exciting it's you know just britfield.com and it's uh, it's an award-winning website uh, we actually won multiple awards for it it's got over 400 pictures of england uh, it's got interactive maps and over 100 pages of information and the idea and the reason it was designed was um, a place that anyone that's reading Britfield Lost Crown can can come to the website. And so I might just be describing Yorkshire pictures and things like that, but you can actually see it, right? I might be talking about mm -hmm. Serpentine Lake and Hyde Park in London, but you can see it on this huge screen. <clears throat> and we might have a Weatherly, which is up in Yorkshire, Northern England. And so you come to this map, it's, you know, and each section is kind of set up on the website. Uh, and you click on it, you know what I mean? You can see like, okay, there's Weatherly and there's Yorkshire. And then like, but where is Yorkshire? Like, and then you can zoom in, you can zoom out. I mean, it's, it's you know, where where's England, you know, next to Europe? And it, so it's great just to have the maps. We're getting kids, you know, interactive with the maps. We've got five maps in the be beginning of the book. Uh, and we do that for all the books. Just because they're kind of fun, you know, to go back and forth. Yeah, and see. absolutely. And um and yeah, and then and then what we've done is just as a as a as a footnote, <clears throat> when we kicked off book one in August 2019, I started a uh, school tour, and so I drove 9,000 miles. I visited 23 states, presented to more than 200 schools, over 40,000 students, and that was in every demographic, every area that you can imagine, all the way up to Seattle, all the way to Chicago, all the way down to New Orleans, and all the way up to Memphis, Tennessee. <clears throat> and it's private, public, Christian, Catholic, you name it, homeschool. Um, and even charter, <clears throat> and uh, usually anywhere from 100 to 200 to 300 students in auditoriums, fourth through eighth. And so it was great. So great presentation, talked a little bit about the book, talk, really we're there to talk about the importance of creativity and how having an idea can change everything and how my idea, you know, Britfield Lost Crown that started as a simple doodle, you know, turn, turned into a major, you know, franchise, but it took 10 years, 10 years of hard work, 10 years of concentration, focus, rejection, failure, frustration, all of it. Um, so I think that kind of interaction is interesting. Um, we developed the Britfield Lost Crown theatrical play. It's a 90 minute two act theatrical play specifically for elementary middle schools. So it's another way to bring this story into the schools and get, get them excited about theater again. I'd like to say it's sort of classic theater in a world of, of um, musicals, in a world of really, again, 
um, magic, right? Aladdin Jr., mm-hmm. magic, frozen, yeah. magic, um, like so many others. And so we have that. We have the um, 83-page study guide based on national standards so Britfield can be taught in the classroom. So we're already in thousands of schools across the nation. We're being taught this semester in hundreds of schools across the nation, which is in many ways unheard of at this phase of a, of a book series launching and stuff. But, you know, a lot of work's gone into this. So I think that kind of interaction where, you know, you can actually teach the book in the classroom, you know, um, the teachers, it could be done homeschool or it could be traditional public school, private, whatever. And they're, you know, chapter by chapter. And then you ha- it's all set there. And you have the questions and, and vocabulary and things to ask and getting kids involved. So things like that are good, and um, that's excellent. And, yeah. So yeah, it sounds it sounds like you really. I mean, this is really well thought out, and it's it's uh, primarily a learning experience while it is. also entertaining uh, people. So one of the things you said earlier that um, really stuck with me is the fact that you you are creating these stories in which uh, kids can relate to, and they can relate them to themselves, and so. Uh, I, I think of something from my childhood, the, the Brains Benton series, right? That Brains Benton was similar to, you know, a 12, he was a 12-year-old James Bond type of thing. Right? <laughs> cool. And uh, there's a whole series of those, just like the the Hardy Boys sure. and Nancy Drew. He was kind of like that. But So your stories are, are very relatable to kids. So I'd like you just to talk about uh, the character development of of the Tom and uh, Tom and Sarah, and uh, how you came about really putting those characters together and what what they are like, and why you made them like that, if you would. Yeah, no, I like that, and and uh, the character development is very very interesting. In fact, with book book four, uh, just to just to give the, the audience a sense of it, I spent four months starting in January this year. I spent four months again. I had a blank page. I didn't. I, I had a general sense of what I was going to do, but I had no idea. And so I spent four months just outlining the book, start to finish, every single scene. Everyone's wondering how do you write? You just start writing, and everyone's different. But for me, it's like I need to know the entire story, and it's hard. Because it's like, you know, yeah, I have to figure out, okay, what happens next? What happens next? But it's just like you outline it all, you get it all. So I had 84 scenes in total for this book four. And um, and then when I started writing down, I, it wasn't a question of where do I go next? You know what I mean? I'm writing that scene. It's already been thought out. Boom, the next scene. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying all that to say then I spent probably three or four weeks just on character development, more so than I normally do. And um, and it's hard, you know what I mean? First, I was what you do is, as an author, this is a good thing to do is, if you're starting a book or whatever, write at least um, a one-page biography on your character, three or four paragraphs, type paragraphs. And then, you know, what are their strengths? So two or three things, they don't need 50 strengths. What are they good at? Because that's gonna be the thread that you bring through the story. What are their weaknesses? And that's gonna be something that could be their downfall, that they stumble on, or that, be, that could become a strength. Um, what are a few of their characteristics? And then, uh, you know, what, what what do they look like? What are the descriptions? And then I like this, uh, what's a secret that they're keeping? And I love that. Uh, I learned that from another author. And I thought, isn't that great? And so I, I started to do that for every single character. Now with book four, I've got 15 characters, right? Starting with mm-hmm. Tom and starting with Sarah. And what's fun for me, too, as an author is Tom and Sarah 12 in book one. And uh, 12 is a great age, right? And, and with that said, I mean, there's not tremendous character development you know what i mean like the 12 you know so right, but right. with that said um you know tom tom had a, a problem with claustrophobia so he had, that was something that that he had a fear of and in order to escape from weatherly orphanage he had to climb through this small tunnel and so he had to overcome that fear and that would be called the character arc um you know in order to move forward in order to escape i've got to overcome this fear and and move forward um what's great with sarah is she uh, she had a fear of heights because when she was younger she was climbing in a tree she fell out broke her arm you know and again no big deal but it's like heights bad you know what i mean and so all of a sudden <laughs> in order to escape from the police once they're out of weatherly they've got to go up on a hot air balloon and so she's like freaking out you know what i mean like i love that because she's like tom's like oh my gosh look at wow and she's like in the corner tucked down freaking out right but she has to overcome that and so those are two kind of examples that were fun to do for book one um, and then and then to build them. And then two, what's fun for me is in book two, Tom and Sarah are now 13, and then book three, they're 14. And so for 
an author that's fantastic because parents know 12 to 13 is like a decade, right? And 13 <laughs> to 14 is like a decade, right? I mean, 12 yeah. to 14, huge, right? 34 yeah. to 35, who cares? So, so it's fun <laughs> for me because they do mature and they're not, they're not the same. And I, and I love 12 and I like, and 13 is kind of that rebellion. You know what I mean? And 14 mm -hmm. is a little more sophisticated. You're kind of getting into high school now. And now Thomas are 15. And so it's fun as an author because um, I'm aware of their age and I'm growing with them. And, and, and then again, too, each book takes place in a different country, England, France, right. and in Italy. And so that also becomes a new character, if you will, in my book. And it's fun. I mean, if I did the entire seven book series in England, eh, you know, I mean, it's it kind of boring. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like how many, you know, cabs and, you know, double decker bus or, you know what I mean? Like, but now I'm in France right. for book two and it's like, oh my gosh, like all, you know, whole different culture and sites to see and then Italy. And so it's a lot of fun. So, you know, history, as you said, history is kind of a character in and of itself. Right? Sure. And how do you, how do you choose what historical things will be brought about in your books? And it's funny, you know, as an author, you know, with book one, uh, and in book one took me uh, four years and 2,500 hours to write. So, wow. um, and by the third draft, we took, we were taking it out to middle schools and getting um, uh, private, pub, private and public schools and having the 12 to 14 year olds actually review the manuscript and getting their feedback. And we've done that for all the books. But, um, and so it's interesting too, cause like, I, I remember my first book, like they'd be flying over um, um, the Midlands and, you know, you make a reference to Shakespeare, you know, and I'm, I, I was a history major, right? I was a British literature history major. And, um, and so like I had this paragraph on, you know, Shakespeare. And then when you read the book, it's like, it has absolutely nothing to do with the story, you know? And so, you know, suddenly it becomes like from eight lines, it comes four lines. And then I'm reading through it and I'm like, not too much, you know, and then it's it's finally like it's like one line or it's just 86. And so because uh, I have to remind myself, it's not a history book and it's not a travel book. You know what I mean? It's a fast paced adventure series. So it is a very interesting art, if you will, in how do you get the how do you get the history or the architecture, the descriptions in there without bogging it down? And, 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 and really, if you will, taking it away from the story. And I think most authors, unfortunately, have too much description. I don't know why, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, I don't, I don't need to know that their golden watch is flickering in the sunlight as they're setting their time diet, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? And their cashmere mm -hmm. scarf <laughs> as they're tucking. I mean, it's like, who cares? I mean, what does that have to do with anything? It doesn't. And it's like, you're so poetic. You're such a good writer. I mean, no, we leapfrog those scenes because we want the story, right? You're reading along and it's like, boom, right. paragraph. And, and all you do is you just leapfrog it, pick up, come on. Right. And so it is, um, but, I, but I made it fun because they come to like, is there, because you have Britfield and Lost Crown. And so you have Britfield. What is Britfield? And the Lost Crown, which means a sense of royalty, something about the Lost Crown. And so that's beautifully threaded throughout, which is great. And then you start to find out about British history, um, royalty, other dynasties, what happened to the Britfields. And then they'll come to certain places like Oxford in book one or um, in Paris, the Sorbonne. Uh, university and they meet professors and so it's a nice time of debate and finding out more information so i've used that as a vehicle to get wait some... wait 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 a minute wait a minute professors professors allow debate <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> uh, you, are you saying that the universities used to be bastion, bastions of critical thinking geez yes they were yeah. <laughs> in fact that was the foundation right that was the foundation right, right Think on. for yourself challenge yeah. things attack it from different right. angles right it, Hey, hang tight. I got to take another quick break sure. and we'll be right back. Right. Another three minute break here. Hey, Patriots, it's Jeff Wagner. Let's face it, it's getting harder and harder to make ends meet. It's only going to get worse. This inflation is going to continue. As a matter of fact, our dollar is in jeopardy of even existing with the crazies that want to go to the digital currency to control us all. You can go to Kirk Elliott, PhD dot com slash the patriot review get all kinds of free great information and invest in gold and silver for your future our world is full of electromagnetic fields that even though we can't see them are affecting our bodies our sleep and even our ability to think clearly the advent of 5g is only making this worse there is an answer Visit Fix the World by clicking the link in the Patriot Review show description below to view natural products that can actually protect you from EMF 
and 5G, and even improve your sleep. Skeptical? Get the free Dangers of EMF Radiation ebook free by clicking on its direct link, also in the show description. Here's a nutritional hack anyone can master. Replace a meal a day with our kingdom feel. Or if you're a monster in the gym, add a shake to your daily meal plan. Our unique meal shakes are balanced, low glycemic, rich in fiber, 20 grams of clean protein, essential vitamins and minerals, healthy fat, and organic fruits and vegetables. Kingdom Fuel is vegan with a complete amino acid profile. Bottom line, it's a simple start to a transformed life. No gimmicks, just results. Start today. Hey Patriots, you can save up to 66% at MyPillow.com when you use the code TPR. That stands for The Patriot Review. That's TPR or call 800-519-9927. That's 800-519-9927. I use these products myself. I can tell you they are the best quality bar none. So go ahead, use the code TPR and get up to 66% off right now. Coming to you from the land of common sense and American pride. Not a unicorn or rainbow in sight. Welcome back to the Patriot Review with Jeff Wagner. All right, we are back with Chad Stewart. Chad, I wanted to ask you, you know, the one of the things I think that attracts people to to your books is also the the fact that they are more I don't I don't know if traditional is the right the right word, but you you avoid the stuff we talked about in the, at the very beginning, so it makes them maybe more acceptable by the people who are strong in their Christian faith and and that sort of thing. And um, where do you where do you stand on that? I mean, is that something that you did deliberately with faith in mind, or is it just purely that when you wrote the books, you really wanted to make it realistic for the 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 kids to put themselves in the in that place, or or were your intentions really to bring people back to the family values that America was founded on. Absolutely, yeah, it was it was totally the family values and and that tradition, a conservative tradition, and and you know, and that's what people want, and that's what people are right. hungry for. We're not a divided nation, as everyone is, is shouting and saying and making us try to believe. You know what I mean? And, and yeah, there's a few mm -hmm. incidences here and there and stuff. People are usually just born, you know, they want a good family, they want to they want to do well for their kids. You know, they don't they don't buy all this crap. They don't want this kind of garbage that's coming into the schools and into the literature. It's filth. It's nothing more than filth. And so yeah, um, yeah that was the foundation of these books was really that that the family values, the wholesome, the the um you know edifying type of books. And it's it's interesting too because uh, I've written myself into <clears throat> into corners, you know, because because they're so realistic. I remember in book one, you know, there's a scene where, you know, I want to give everything away, but uh, they crash into Oxford. And it's kind of fun because that's where they meet Professor Hainsworth. Great character. But um, and so they're kind of stuck. And so it's like the balloon. They're out of propane. The balloons, you know, stuck. They need to get to London. They have no more money. They can't take the train because because Gowerstone now has secret agents dressed in plain clothes and they know they're in Oxford. And so they can't take the train. They can't walk. It's too far. They can't take a cab. They have no money. And so I'm sitting here kind of walking this out. I'm like, so how do they get out of here? You know what I mean? And, and I'm doing that all the time with my books. I mean, I am literally trying to make it real. Like if you're going to break into this museum. How, how would you break into this museum? Or if you're being chased or you need to get out of this house and it's surrounded, how would you get out of this house? And so again, you know, I'm 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 just like like you know, sucking the marrow out of my mind, trying to think realistically, how would you do it? And 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 it's fun and it's challenging. But I mean, I'm I'm I am on, you know, I'm Google or or whatever, any of those search engines all the time, every single day finding out about this and scuba diving equipment and how far, how fast would a helicopter fly and how high can it go and how long will plane, you know what I mean? Like every single bit of information to make these things as real and authentic, you know, how cold does it get in Italy in October? You know what I mean? Or mid-October or when is the foliage or what are, I was looking yesterday, you know, what, what type of flowers um, are in Vienna in springtime? That was literally what I was looking up yesterday. I mean, that kind of stuff. I mean, all the time. 
<laughs> that's so, awesome. So the books are very authentic in, in that way. Yeah. You, yeah. you really research and spend the time to make sure that your facts are correct. And um, I guess, you know, I think that that is an art as well. You know, they just giving the the right amount of information, but exactly. having that information be facts factual and not being all, I don't know what you'd call not it. Not a paragraph, or, right? It's not a yeah. or whatever. Yeah, this is but, a gardening um, book. You know what I mean? It's not a book on scuba diving. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and I always have to remind myself. So it's a, it is, it is an art form that I am still seeking to master, if you will, where I could get mm -hmm. one sentence and that one sentence would do the same amount as a paragraph, if that makes sense. It would d describe mm -hmm. it. And it's like, it's the kind of idea too, that you want your audience, number one, if they want to find out more, they can research it, right? That's great. Mm -hmm. um, but you want them to use their imagination, right? You don't need to paint right. an entire mm -hmm. picture. And so, just to give you an example, like in book book one with Britfield, and this is my one of my best examples. The balloon is amazing, right? It's an extra. It's a great vehicle. It, it represents a lot of different things: sense of freedom, but yet having no control, right? Because you're at the mercy of the weather. So I'll describe the basket and how high it is and the netting, but I never describe the color of the balloon in book one. And I did that specifically because every child is going to have a different color that that balloon is. And I just think that's so cool, right? You know. <laughs> right? Checkers, I love the, the bright I love red, the, or I can see them debating. No, no, no the balloon's like, yeah. you know, it's like red with like a, a lightning bolt. You know what I mean? Like, and and so I'm getting them to to be more active. And I think you know, a great example of that would be like if you're describing an old house. You know what I mean? You could say it was like, mm -hmm. you know, it was a, it was an ancient house from the 1800s with broken windows and and missing shingles, mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, and cobwebs, you know, hanging dangling from the from the from the eave. That's one sentence, I've, and that's all, all right. you need. I have. Yeah. I have your website up now showing you the balloon, the, the video. It's uh, pretty cool. You got. It's, it's awesome. Um, so, yeah, so you paint a picture in just uh, a, a, the fewest words possible. I guess one of the other authors that I like that I feel does that is the, uh, the Sherlock Holmes series. Oh. Conan Doyle. And he does a kind of a masterful job of that. Love him. But, Big fan. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love Sherlock Holmes. But um, so... What about all the kids that are out there? What kind of advice do you give them if they want to write their own stories, you know, and um, perhaps those that are interested in making it a profession? Yeah, I think that's it's wonderful. And I think there's this huge opportunity. I think anything of quality takes time. So don't think you're going to write your book and get published next week because you saw it on, on YouTube. That's all fake anyway. You know, all these overnight successes are fake. doesn't exist. Right. Every overnight success takes between one to two decades. And the difference between a hobby and a profession is about 10,000 hours. And that's very, very accurate. You know, and it's not to say that to discourage you because it's the journey is, 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 is half the fun, you know, developing and learning and, and growing. But, um, there's a great quote by Beverly Clearly, and she she wrote The Mouse and the Motorcycle, Runaway Ralph, some of my favorite mm -hmm. books when I was growing up, you know, loved them. <laughs> and uh, she said, if you walk into a library or, or a bookstore and you don't find the story that you're looking for, write it. And so there are no there are no wrong things to write if it's true to you. What do you write? You write about what you love and you write about what you know. And uh, and that's what I did. I love England. Um, I love I love James Bond movies still. Right. I love Mission Impossible. And so these are really these kind of the born identity. Right. These are like high octane, right. fast paced spy thrillers almost, you know, but really kind of in the young adult vehicle where still half of our reading audience are adults and stuff. And so I wrote books that that were fun, fun for me to write and fun for me to read and and books that I don't think are out there. And um, and so that's what you want to do. You don't want to copy and paste because we are, you know, you never you don't want to you never want to plagiarize or copy that author because we already have mm -hmm. that author. And, and inside all of you is a unique story. We all have a great story inside us. And so there's no right answer whether your story takes place at, um, at you know, uh, the Grand Canyon or up in Toronto, Canada or. Uh, England or New Zealand or, you know, a trip that you had in Australia or Hawaii. Great. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like right. fantastic. So there's like, so I guess the advice would be is like to sit down. Number two things you need is like you need a beginning and an ending, right? And you might change your ending, but you need to know where you're headed. It's like me getting in my car and saying, hey, you know, I'm Jeff, I'm taking off for a three-week um, uh, driving tour. And you're like, yeah, that's great, Chad. Where are you going? And I'm like, I don't know. 
<laughs> it's like what a disaster. But if I sat Driving there and said, in circles hey, around the roundabout. Yeah. But yeah. if I sat there and said, Hey, I'm leaving. I, I'm in San Diego and, and I'm, and I'm, we're driving for three weeks and we're headed to Boston. You're like, okay, cool. I've got a beginning and an end. I know, I know where I'm headed to, where am I going to stop along the way? And those become your sort of your chapters and stuff. So, right. you know, have a beginning and an end and then, and then figure out just kind of a couple key things. You know what I mean? Like if your story is this adventure that you had in Australia, have a starting point, have an ending point, and where are some of the, the fun little locations that you want this story to go, or a couple of the key incidences. This is when they, you know, they found out that the, the farm was going to be foreclosed on, and then this is where they got together in their little fort and came up with a plan on raising the money, and this is where they started to get the the, the, the neighborhood kids together to do a fundraise, you know I mean, whatever. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, right. and, then, and then you kind of fill it in, you know what I mean? But have your kind right. of your key scenes, your beginning, your middle, key scenes and then start to fill it in figure out who your characters are do a little biography on each one strengths weaknesses maybe a secret yeah so you know there's 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 the other part of art and getting involved in the form of art that you're passionate about whatever it is um for me it's music i play guitar for over 40 years right one of the things that one of the things that i found over and over again is that that becomes a comfort to you and you you can go back and use that when times aren't really what you want them to be. And um, it's a positive influence and a positive way to keep kids on track and on the tracks, I think, as well. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So the message to the parents, I got about one minute, but the message to the parents is encourage this type of creativity absolutely. wherever the passions are, right? We're trying to bring creativity back into the classrooms and back into the back into the the, the books and, uh, and we're in a creativity and imagination. I mean, it, yeah. it, the, it the the I think that the the lack of imagination has led to the attention span issues. Absolutely, the lack of using the imagination. So it's true. It's been it has been an absolute honor to have you on, and um, I'll just give you the last thirty seconds here to to wrap up and um, tell people where they can go as well. Yeah, but I will say that we as a nation, we're in a creativity crisis. Creativity is the number one most important skill set in the world. It's not mathematics, it's not engineering, it's not it's not medical or medicine, it's not legal or lawyers. It's creativity. It's the foundation. And it's the one thing that AI will never be able to replace. So give your kids as much opportunity as you can. It's not about money. It's not about necessarily taking on, right. a, on a one month tour of Europe. If you can, fantastic. But you can take them to the library, take them to a museum, you can take them to right. a park, you can take them to a lake, you can take them to the beach. You know, or, or you could or you could buy your books and yeah, um, or buy Bridfield Lost Crown. And, so where do they go to do that? Yeah, so um, the Bridfield Lost Crown website is great. I mean, if you if you go there, you'll still get a signed copy. So we have a trilogy special or book one, book two. You get a bookmark, you get a sticker, and I sign each book, uh, which I won't be doing too much longer because we're getting we're getting uh, crazy well, busy. And we're you know I'm going to do that. We're I'm in development of right the first of, of seven movies. So, <laughs> uh, but we're on Amazon, which is also easy awesome. and fast. So. All right. Well, thank you so much. I'd love to have you back. I wish you all the best. Appreciate it. And uh, anybody who's on this show, I always tell them that you, whether you like it or not, now I consider you a friend. Amen. So, <laughs> so God bless you. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. And again, I, I wish you all the best. Hopefully appreciate we'll it, Jeff. Again soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. Privilege. Godspeed. You betcha. My honor. Thank you. Have you ever wondered what it's like to be a January 6th political prisoner rotting away in horrible conditions? January 6th patriots are subject to cruel and unusual punishment every day and kept imprisoned for nearly three years without trial. These American heroes have to survive inhumane conditions where they lack basic food nutrients, clothing, and hygiene. Joe Biden's corrupt Department of Justice and FBI Gestapo has been making sure the families of these brave patriots are suffering as well. The breadwinner has been ripped out of the home, and these young families are being extorted thousands of dollars a year to keep up with commissary costs for their J6 prisoner. Many families have been completely devastated, missed mortgage payments and kicked out of their homes, and even the family car repossessed. The ongoing battle these families face to stay afloat and support their loved ones in prison is in desperate need of our help. You can now sponsor a January 6th family to help support them in their greatest time of need. 
SponsorJ6.com is a new organization started by January 6th political prisoner for 965 days, Jake Lang, ensuring 100% of funds made go to Patriots commissary accounts. By becoming a sponsor of a J6 family, you can ensure one of the nearly 200 currently incarcerated J6 prisoners is properly clothed and fed. Sign up today to give the vital help these families need and make a real impact in the lives of our POWs. Head to SponsorJ6.com.